everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Hello and welcome to episode 33 of LOI Central in association with futureticketing.ie and en route to the airport to watch uh, whatever game he's going to. We're actually going to find out uh, that is Ireland Chief Scout Stephen Royce, formerly of the likes of Shamrock Rovers, Bowes, Longford Town and so forth in the League of Ireland. Um, We're really progressing as a young coach in the game and he is our guest today in association, as I said, with futureticketing.ie with Johnny Ward. And Dan McDonald, um, and I am just back from um, a stint out of the country, Dan. Yeah, I'm trying you, to catch up on what has actually been one of the the most dramatic few days of League of Ireland action. Anyway, there's it has so been much going on. Dramatic few days for yourself because I was going to ask you how your big cycle last Saturday went. Remember you told us yeah, last week that you were heading Sunday, yeah. you're heading to to Mallorca, not by train to be clear, um, for your your big cycle. So you had on Sunday. So you had the efficient trip. So when did you realise it was on Sunday? I <laughs> like. <laughs> Thursday or Friday when you were in Mallorca yeah in, in general it is on a Saturday but they changed this year so it didn't make any major difference it's like it one of those le- like a League of Ireland fixture sort of mixed <laughs> up where it's like you know they've changed the game from Saturday to Friday and you, you don't know like, it's in the fixture list as Friday and that's it I but. went to a wedding in Lithuania before and like got the day wrong it was a cousin's wedding and I was trying to trying to get the air conditioning sorted in my room and next thing like my cousin started walking by my hotel room dressed like for a wedding I was like what's the crap what's going on today <laughs> Johnny the wedding like everyone's waiting for you so anyway I'm back um, see, you did, but to be fair like I know it's that slightly off but you did do I know it wasn't quite a 300 kilometer cycle in the end but no, close to it 225 yeah we, we ended up doing the wrong route but like we, we actually climbed three and a you half the, the wrong day and the wrong route yeah the wrong, the wrong route wasn't my fault in fairness that was more of a that was a team effort mistake but uh some crack down like and 225 kilometers is an impressive work I mean, it's more i suppose it's more the just the buzz of cycling with people uh, from different countries so like i was up top with an english fella i started talking to him he was a big walsall fan so he's talking about steve staunton and how he oh, you know yeah. all of that so like he said um yeah a few different different things about football and all that but uh yeah i'm back anyway what's the crack what what ex uh, what ex league of ireland player and irish international currently plays for walsall was that discussed League of Ireland player. Because they asked him had any Irish players at the moment. He said they didn't. So maybe he's not that big of a fan. I mean, I think this guy like needs to be outed in that case. He, he, he said he's two season tickets. Like he always. Yeah. I was just double checking myself. Yeah, Stephen Ward plays for Walsall at the moment. Did there not know go. that. Very Irish. Very ex-League of Ireland player. Did he play with Royce at any time? Uh, he probably would have, yes. Yeah. He would have. Because I... Um, yeah, because I'm trying to think, actually. The first ever League of Ireland European trip I went on would have been Bose Levadia Talon in two thousand and four. Um so like a big deal to be out of the country covering a game and stuff. And yeah, I'm almost certain Stephen Rice was on that trip. Stephen Moore only broke through to Bose the following year, I think, or maybe mm. that season. I also more so remember Stephen Ward with the Garrett Garrett Farley years, if you know in terms of year or so when, when when he was playing. But I think Stephen Rice was on that trip. Stephen Kenny was the manager. Yeah. And of course, drawing it all away, which was um a very respectable result and then lost the following week mm. at home and, and got sacked. Um, so there you go. That's what, 17 years ago. So 17 years so ago. So you now have this situation where, yeah, Stephen Rice and, and, and Stephen Kenny reunited. I suppose, actually, I mean, on the weekend that's in it, um, yeah, like t- two two really interesting games in Daily Mount. We'll talk about Pat's Dundalk, you know, the two games there in a minute. Um, but... Yeah, I mean it's 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 a sort of a weird one because we 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 often do this show and 
your Friday Monday games and the mood is naturally shaped more so by the Monday one and you almost mm. tend to forget what happened on Friday and like on Friday you had the absolute elation for Bowes and the sort of um, desolation for Waterford and the anger and the outrage I mean it's like Waterford angry at refs again you know it'll be boy who cried wolf at some stage mm. you know with it but um, you know they 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 were certainly looked looked like George Kelly might be an offside although it's very hard it's one of those where you'd need a couple of angles to be 100% sure um, then you know the second red card and maybe a couple of decisions but then Waterford showed amazing courage to go and win on Monday bigger game really uh, well for them but mm. in, but also in the sense of Bowes now driving home how big the cup final might be for them looking at their a, stats they had a great opportunity to, to, to really look, because Sligo Rovers are tanking they're yeah. opening the door for everyone else for that European la, la, spot last seven league games Bo, long, or sorry Bowes have one win which is against Longford they've won clean sheet in their last 14 league games um, so mm. kind of since the Pauk game really their league form has been poor and they've just conceded an awful lot of goals so their eggs are in almost in the cup basket to an extent now yeah and, the, and they got the job done on friday but it was against 10 men you know for for most of the second half you mm. wouldn't say i was at pats and Dock, so i did only watch it afterwards and um, i didn't watch all of it but you wouldn't say that bows are like in tip-top form at the moment like they're, mm. they're definitely not and um, now they were excellent again in in, in tala in the first half you know and then they lost their way a bit Against or, 10 men. Again, you know, mm. so um, it, it, I, I don't know why that is. I mean, is, is it that bows are like a really, because there's they're, they're such strength in the wide areas with Burton and Coote that they're a brilliant sort of counter-attacking team. Yet if they play against a team that maybe sits in against them a bit more, mm. then they find it a bit harder. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, you would think, you would think it has the potential to be a really interesting final. Um, but, but I, I, you know, Pat's actually showed... Um, against Dundalk like the ability to mix it up that when they got 2-1 up they actually sat in and then they countered and you kind of wonder what way Pats would approach a game with Bowes because if you make it an open game at the Aviva a really open game um, and as much as Pats have the really exciting Dara Byrne and Burns and, and good forward players you definitely don't want to make it a game where Bowes can hit you in the counter with the threats that they have you know so um, I think it's going to be a really interesting tactical game. We'll have loads of time to talk about that as it gets closer. But I have to say, I was thinking of you today uh, when you, you basically said Dundalk having the hope of getting relegated. And now it, it is realistic well, that they I, might I still, be the playoff. I, I know it is realistic. I still don't think it would happen. I still, like, I just, I don't. I mean, and as if I said... If you go into the playoff tanking, though, like Shells did last year, like from a position... Nah, it, Johnny, all the teams at the moment... Uh, in the Premier Division are way better than Shells were last year and I don't think there's any chance the First Division team wins the playoff no chance no no ah, listen there's a chance Matt, we are playing Matt, back this Matt, now Matt things, you can play it back in December <laughs> of course Matt, yeah. the fact it's one off I, earlier in the season I was working off the impression it was two legs which mm. I would have said no chance mm. over a one off game yeah things can happen but I still think actually Dundalk's home record uh, in recent months has been pretty good and three of their last four games were at home you know, so mm. and their away game is in Drada. Like, you know, they actually have a fixture list that's Waterford, Longford, Drada, and then home to Derry. Like, if they don't get enough points from that game to avoid it, then of course they deserve to be in it. They will be in it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, um, but I, I, I still think. I uh, listen. Th- th- and in the Pats game last week, they were they were quite good in the first half. They were quite good mm. until Pats went two one up, and actually they were quite flat. Similarly on Monday, they had chances early, and then they were very flat. And like, there's obviously concerns. We can't make every week a what's going on at Dundalk week, you know, but obviously, you know, you have staff leaving after the game on Friday. The situation behind the scenes remains completely batshit, uh, as it has been throughout the season. And, like, that is 
ultimately what has left them where they are um you know you could be you could be critical of a lot of people at a lot of different times of the season but what you could certainly say is that it's clear that, that off the field things have affected them. Yeah. Like they, if they end up in, in ninth, it's not because they're the ninth best team in the Premier Division. In my view, I still think they're probably... They they're should probably, have knocked out Vitesse, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, like their performance in Vitesse is probably the best performance produced by any mm. side, you can argue, this year. Certainly, you know, they, they could easily be second on the table, I think, you know, with a, with a sort of a functioning year. So, you know, that that's where it is. But I think, for, in fairness for Pats, I think, you know, there was a massive... It was a massive step, I think, for them Friday because in terms of their evolution as a team, like they've had a very good year, almost like a Dundalk 2013 year where they've had a sort of a surprise title tilt. Okay, fell a good bit short. Mm. I mean, in the end... I'm not even sure it was. Yeah, I suppose maybe not, but... Like to, for it to be meaningful, I think they needed something to hang it off. You know, just yeah. just not for it to peter out into a, a an unremarkable end to the season. And I think at one all on Friday at half time, they conceded a bad goal before half time and f- felt sorry for a banquet because he, he made a mistake and then he got the yellow card. And he was and it, it made sense to take him off with the yellow yeah. card. I think his head probably would have been a bit scrambled. But you're sort of looking at this going. To be honest, at half time, I'm sitting there. I know I've, I've always had this thing. I felt the dog would win the cup. And at half time, I was sitting there thinking they're going to go on and win this now. It just felt like they'd been over the rough patch of the game. But and, and the first five ten minutes of the second half, there was one great move where Leahy, I think, put the ball across and, and just missed Huben. But in fairness to Pats, from that point, they managed the game really well. When they went to two one, they managed it really well. And O'Donnell even tactically went from the back four they started with to switch it to the back three in the second half and and like that just reflects maybe the intelligence of the team as well that everything they've done this year is probably built towards um these games and they're learning on the job if you know what I mean yeah. so and, and listen when you have a 19 year old it's the young kid players who's well, just though. exceptionally like good I noticed on their twitter page that Ben McCormick was finally awarded the player of the month for August and there hasn't maybe been as much spoken about him um, but he's a very promising midfielder but I was watching the game on the um on the laptop, like, and what was that, Friday night, thinking, oh, the cycle's tomorrow. No, it isn't, it's Sunday, but let's have a few <laughs> beers in. So I put on the laptop and, like, was watching it with a, a, a guy who'd be a bit of a lapsed Pats fan. Like, he used to go to a lot of the games in the Pat Dolan era that, like, he's, um, but still kind of maintains an interest. And we were just looking at these goals, like the Burns goal and also the one he set up for Billy King. Is he going for, to the final um, now, Smith. this lad? Um, yeah, he might do. The couple of the Clane Wheelers I cycle with, uh, one of them actually goes to Pats games regularly and the other one is kind of an old Pats, an older Pats fan, but the quality of the goals and the, the atmosphere, the, the, um, the, I know the, the St. Pats, um, you know, they do videos, uh, they've the Portuguese guys, Portuguese very good, guy. yeah. I watched that back and like it really captured the atmosphere, and it must mean class to be there for like five thousand people is a rare thing in Inchicore nowadays. And it was such a like the goals were just outrageously good. The two goals, yeah. Them. No, listen, the pass for the second one, the finish for the third, oh. and it's brilliant. And I hope that like it's possibly the catalyst to to help the sort of resurgence of Pats because mm. like if you look at this final and again we'll come back to it again but we've lauded probably Bows on here for some of their community work and, and yeah. you can see the demand for the games I mean the Pout games in the summer in the Aviva they could have sold them twice over yeah I, I, I saw your article today I think it'll top 40,000 and it should, it should well I, I, I wouldn't guarantee it but that's not the point I'm making um, I'm just saying with Pats that I think they've you know with David Morrissey there and they've been doing work in the community but I guess you know, they were trying to do that and then COVID obviously happened mm. and 
Um, I think they just need maybe an event just to to be a focal point for maybe that growth because yeah. we remember going to Pat's games in the nineties, um, and they'd be heaving, you know, be full of kids and a bit like Bose, you know, it feels like they had an, an era of reasonable success on the pitch through the two thousands. Although Pat's didn't win a league in that in that period, apart from a, a contested one, um, but more the late the late two thousands. And into like, you know, even when they won the FEI Cup, if you look at the FEI Cup final attendances for the last 10 years, as I did, I had it doing that piece mm. today, like 2012 and 2014, Pats and Derry were two of the three lowest, you know, it was like 16, 17,000. Pats didn't have like a massive support at those games. They they have a really committed fan base, but they don't necessarily have that latched on casual fan base that some of the other clubs totally, would yeah, have yeah. um but as as you know and we know i lived in dublin eight for years um you you still sort of half you're half and half sort of living there i'm not going to your personal situation but like I, i'd always have bemoaned it here like i lived maybe a 10 minute drive from from uh richmond park and i never once saw like uh you know pat's stuff in mm. my area and it's full of people living in apartments you know like myself who we were living there for a period of time mm. and moving on um, but Pats also have a tradition in, in sort of Lucan and West Dublin and, mm. you know, places where people, Pats fans are drawn from, even Green Hills and places. And I think they need to probably uh, try and reconnect or maybe make some new connections there. And I think that's why a cup final should hopefully be a good chance for them um, to do so. Um, but And before we get into that later on, we do need to get a lot of neutrals at this game because it's a good it's a good showpiece for um, the League of Ireland. Two good young teams well, who play nice. It football. is. No, listen, as mm. I said, my point is it's an easy sell. Like, it should be an easy sell. Like, a lot of the outstanding... I just picked out, in particular, say, under 25 players, you know, players under the age of 25. So, like, you know, Devoy, and, and we'll talk to Stephen Rice. About, we'll well. talk to Stephen Rice about Devoy because he would have coached him at underage level. Um, but, you know, Dawson Devoy, uh, you know, Lions, Ross Tierney, Georgie Kelly's 24, you know, top scorer. And then I said on the Pat side, you have this kid, Dara Burns, the people are talking about. Yeah, you have Yaros, you have Alfie Lewis, but then you have the older players as well, mm. too. But I'm just more so saying in this new era where the international team is linked more with the Young League of Ireland, you're kind of trying to link the two. You say it should be 40,000. I'd love to think that would be true, Johnny, but I mean, I'm looking at the records. That there was a huge buzz around Rovers v Rovers in 2010, and it was 36,000. The best recent one um, was 2019, the Dock Rovers, 33,000. But you also have to remember that the Women's Cup final would have been yeah. at that. So they would have contri- contributed a couple of thousand to the bottom line. So to automatically make that jump um, to the 40 mark, I think it's going to be difficult. I think it's what they should be aiming for. I'm not saying it's... I'm not saying it's well, your piece is imploring an effort to be made. I think it should. You know, like the Portugal, the, point, the Portugal like, game is sold out now, mm. um, so the FBI are very good at like they have to push the tickets. It's a difficult one because it's not massive amount of money to be made from this for them, but it's more a sense of uh, making it an event. And the, the two women's games, either side of it in Tala, they'll probably be pushing to sell them out. Rightly too, as well. The women's cup final is in Tala this year. There's all these events around within a ten day window, and I don't know what imagination can be used to make it all knit it all together but I definitely think it's a cup final pairing it's amazing right it's the first all Dublin in a league that's quite Dublin dominated yeah. generally the first all Dublin cup final since 2000 and the first ever Bowes v Pats FEI cup final which is like I mean it's not as if we have 100 clubs in the league well, Pat's, here. Pat's cup record is bafflingly bad like, but they know. still made a lot of finals between yeah. 61 and 2014 mm. you know okay it's actually more so Bowes you sort of forget that Bowes in the 60s and 70s like they were 
they maybe were, it isn't dumb and dominated though, is it? Well, that's the thing. Maybe it's just in your in your head that it is. Mm. You know, um, and you think of league title races through the nineties and two thousand. We had Shells and Pats going, and which of course they did play in the cup final in ninety six, and and you had Bows and Shells. That was Cheryl's goal, was it? Yeah, ninety six. Yeah. But it's it's just more. It's just a little bit surprising, and we are coming around to a situation where, like, I think the last time the top three places in the league were finished by Dublin clubs were, were filled by Dublin clubs has gone back to maybe 2010 when you had Bowes Rovers going at it and Sporting Fingal were around in the premises and stuff now I thought at one stage this year Bowes had finished third and that would be the case it's possibly not going to be the case but you kind of wonder in the next while are the Dublin clubs all going to be going to be quite strong but Derry might be the um Derry might be the flying down. Derry might be flying down, and and very briefly, what a result for Drogheda in beating them. Like the, I, again, I've been chatting to a few people about this. Who gets manager of the league at the manager of the year at the moment? Very very tough one to call, and do, those two managers, Clancy and Higgins. Well, there's a couple of things we haven't mentioned. Yeah, I mean, Rovers that was, are going to win the league Friday. Well, obviously, yeah, there's the Clancy Higgins young manager bingo um, tick. Uh, I think like every game, it feels like like Drogheda. You felt like if they lost on Sunday. They're back in the relegation hunt, but they win, and now you're talking about Europe. Um, Just to yeah. provide some context, Dan, Drada have an identical win draw win record to Bowes. That is absolutely insane compared to look at the look at the talent in their teams. Like I, no, I, I, there, I don't want to be harsh on Drada, but if 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 you put that t- if you you look at those squads to start season, you're like mm, they're probably going to struggle. I know. Listen, I think I think any club. Maybe I mean, I'm being harsh on the players. I, I, I think know. I think any club looking for any bigish club looking for a manager at the moment the natural one that they should all be looking to uh, looking for would be Tim Clancy for the young that, manager bingo well me. I didn't quite didn't say he was young nice they, and you normally you, you have a rule that you can't mention Tim Clancy without mentioning Higgins and O'Donnell within uh, one sentence Ke- Kev Doherty as well they are a Cluffy and Taylor act yeah fair. you've done that before you've done yeah. that for you, you like you're just repeating a lot of your lines what we haven't mentioned is Ian Morris leaving shells yeah which is the other thing like you we, you did you, a piece on we, it as well about Duff being li- linked well, I mean, no, you can't do a piece about Duff being linked because who linked him? Well, that's journalism. It's like no, no, you don't. You don't say Damien Duff has been linked with. He, that's what someone does if they're ripping off your story. It's happened to us all. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Like, who? Who? I didn't do a piece saying Damien Duff has been linked with the job. Well, I'm paraphrasing here. You're like he's in the picture. He's in the frame. Oh, in the frame. That'd be the word. What a, I'm just saying he has been, like. has been linked with the job by like who's he linked by like. Twitter well, or something. <laughs> um, no, get, no, 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 no. But we should say, like, you know, we should talk about this briefly. I mean, it is um, a strange one that you that Shells kept faith with Ian Morris last year, um, and yet, sorry, sorry. The press release says, of course, he stepped down. Mm. He stepped down. I mean, so of course, in Nick this McCarthy in this world where he, he he stepped down, um. Clearly, shells have opted to go in a different direction, and the Duff one, I would have thought initially, nah, nah, like I can't really see that. Um, but he is someone who like is known to change his mind a lot, and uh, you know he's quite unpredictable. It's not a non, it's not a long shot. It may not be him, but if it doesn't turn out to be him, it wasn't like a link created from a link. You know, my, my story from, uh, had foundation. I, it does have foundation. But Ross Tierney one turned out to be true as well. Did it? Has it been announced? <laughs> well, he's Motherwell have announced they've signed him, yeah. Oh, have they? Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, three-year deal. Journalism at its finest and from Dawson Johnny Ward. And the boy, oh. I mean, if you throw in two things into a story and you're just hoping one of them is true, well, turns out both of them are true here. After his link uh, with Where will Georgie Kelly go? So much to discuss, though. So, uh, well, let's get Stephen Rice in. With Stephen Rice. 
Yes, Stephen Rice has just uh, joined us en route to uh, Burnley Spurs possibly this evening and you're just a bit worried because you listen to the Gartland Doolan episode like your, your plane leaves in a couple of days so you're a bit concerned <laughs> how long this is going to go on for. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, when I seen Gartland and, and, and Paul were on I was, I think I was travelling to Hull as I was downloading it to go and I, I had to check because I've only, I was like, I've only got four hours <laughs> I'm not sure whether, whether I'll make it all the way up. Like, Paul Doolan's still outside actually. You know? I, I should say, like we did go, we, we don't always go into like you know listener feedback but we did get a lot of feedback to that show and even mm. to last week's show even a lot of Shamrock Rovers fans saying I actually quite like Killian Brennan I don't I don't I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't dislike him as much as I thought I, did. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you heard that one but it was sort of Killian running through some of his um, mm. stories and you probably crossed paths with Killian along the way which is shared dressing rooms definitely at Rovers. Rovers yeah, yeah definitely yeah. at Rovers yeah um, but yeah Doolan and Gartland definitely I mean I don't know if you could be reunited with one manager for like a, a two-hour special, Stephen, who would it be? To, that, that where you have to get stuff out, like not one where like you know everything was sunshine and and but who could you get round the table with and sort of trash things out with? Probably Pat Scully. <laughs> oh my God, we should we should really get Pat Scully. And we should really we'd just Pat like to let you know that Pat Scully's here. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but this is your life. This is your life. Pat Scully and Sean Connor get the two of them in, and we'll really oh back around. Yeah. You had some like between them two, Mick O'Neill. You had some managers like in terms of characters and yeah. Yeah, and obviously, in the game. yeah, and Stephen obviously in mm. that as well on the last. So I was very lucky in that regard, and um, unlucky in some and some others because obviously a, a couple of falling out with, with the likes of with Sean and Pat. Like, but um, no, was, I think when you look back, was that you or, the, or them, or were you younger? Or I was younger as well. Um, definitely, I mean, I played a part for sure. But I mean, some things your values don't change and. Um, uh, and my values still haven't changed to this day. So when I look back, and, and as you get older, you look back on things and go, could I have done that better? Could I have done that better? But I think if, I, if I'm true to my values, I wouldn't have changed a massive amount because that's what I am, mm. you know, and that honesty and um, hard work and kind of when someone, if, if someone questions that about you, you, your natural instinct is to um, is, is to is to fight on that, like mm. you know, um, mm. and you prove them wrong by what you do. And um, so I said, yeah, look, I mean, definitely, I was young, uh, definitely very young, and uh, there's little things you probably go, oh, I could have said that, I couldn't have, I maybe held that, but that's that's as you get older. But certainly in terms mm. of the overall thing, certainly wouldn't have changed a massive amount in terms mm. of how how I was. Yeah, it's funny we were talking just before you came in. I'm trying to figure out. Your first season with Bowes, I'm actually just checking it up here. It was 2003, yeah. So you you would have been with, you were, I was talking about my first ever League of Ireland European trip, which was Estonia in 2004 with Bowes, which was Stephen's, it was the tie where Stephen lost his job after losing the mm. second leg, mm. which when you think about it, isn't it amazing you've come full circle now? I know you, would, you worked with Stephen again at Rovers, but mm. really to go back to that time, that 2003, 2004, you're with Stephen Kenny when he probably has his, his first sacking, you know, a difficult time for a manager, and you bring it around 17 years later and mm. what, he's manager of Ireland and you're his chief scout. Mm. Like, it's a great story. Yeah, I, yeah, we, I kind of said that because obviously it, it didn't go well at Rovers. Are you sure about this? Because yeah. <laughs> the background doesn't, you know, balls, I was there at balls, I was there at Rovers, and then, you know, so... We had a kind of a joke about it, but now look, it is. It's Stephen gave me the first chance uh, in League of Ireland when I returned from Coventry and went and trained, and 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 he gave me my uh, debut in the League of Ireland. Um, I, you know, so uh, kind of obviously built that a relationship with him at that, and like anything, you managers that play it and managers that give you a chance, there's an you be. You become, you get a relationship with them. Um, players always like you if you play them or you give them that chance or something that, mm. like when you have your, 
your coach from seven and eight years of age, you, you kind of have always that connection um, and, you know, and always maintained a decent relationship with Stephen. And then obviously came to Rovers um, and that obviously didn't go well. It was obviously there for, uh, I think, seven, eight months. Um, but yeah, now that it's come back, it's it's kind of the way it came about was, was a bit, I suppose, it wasn't something that immediately was like, right, this is what I want. You know, I was obviously working for Crystal Palace and, and um and Stephen asked me to to kind of watch go watch a couple of games from during last season and kind of do some reports and stuff and and uh, and then it coincided then with Rory yeah. leaving and taking the dirty job and and uh, yeah and then going to Andorra and Hungary kind of I suppose gave Stephen because uh, playing for somebody and then working with somebody as a coach or a chief scout sorry is is very different um so obviously going to Hungary and Andorra was was a great insight for Stephen to probably see how I worked and likewise yeah um and then after that obviously to be offered a job was 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 incredible and yeah it's it's it is a, it is a, a weird story because I've probably known him now what is it 18 years 17 18 years uh, yeah and, and you're in a in a very public environment now like mm. you know with, with the national team like I, I know with Rory Higgins there was always a thing that when he played under Stephen Kenny they had a bit of a relationship where I think Kenny would ask Higgins his opinion and they you know they just clearly he saw something in Higgins when you worked under Kenny was it like that or is that something that's more evolved over time you know would, he, would you have spoken with him about the game you know, or was it just my, he's my manager, and it was a different sort of dynamic, if you know what I mean. I think, well, certainly, yeah. Excuse me, at Bowes, I was a young, I was, yeah. I was nineteen, eighteen, nineteen. So certainly, he's not someone that at eighteen, nineteen, you're going to be going and asking as such opinions. But I mean, uh, at Rovers, more so. But again, not to an extent, probably like Rory, because Rory would have played from I'm sure at Derry and then for a period of time and then at Dundalk, yeah. and you know, so probably would have had that relationship. So a, a little bit, particularly at Rovers, when I was more of a senior player, when Stephen would have come in, um, so um, yeah, a little bit, but not probably to the extent that Rory had. Yeah, yeah, because I would I would have spoken to you when you went to Crystal Palace, and it was a great like it was a great story that you got the chance to to go and work in England, having been there as a kid at Coventry, as you mentioned. You know, being at an on twenty three club, and you were sort of working with Sean Derry, and you were very much in the English game, which is what so many people strive to do. Mm. So, so what convinced you to leave it then? You know, what what was the what was the sort of factor that made you think, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with this. Well, I think when when I moved initially, it was to develop and, and get better as a coach, and and to try and work at the highest level as possible. And I suppose the defining factor was there's probably not much higher level than international football, and um, I'm an Ireland fan, you know, Italian 90 and woke up 94, I was a kid, you know, and then I suppose the opportunity to walk at senior international level um, from 23s and that's not to say it was a very difficult decision to leave Palace, it was, you know, I absolutely loved it there, we had a great season last year, uh, good people settled settled in the area and stuff, um, uh, but certainly the opportunity to walk at, at senior international level is something that it doesn't come around every day, Dan. Um, and I just felt it was coming from League of Ireland, uh, having that year at twenty threes, and you kind of saying, "What much more can I do at twenty threes?" And, uh, and I've obviously strategically walked through the ages in terms mm. of the ages that I've walked with from fourteens. I've walked all the way through to twenty threes, um, and now the next step was always going to be senior football, whether that was as a coach, a manager, or in a role like this. I, I the next step was naturally senior football, and whether that was a club or international, it just so happened that it came at international level, which is the highest level that you can work at. Um, so that was really the defining factor. It was the next natural step for me. Okay, probably slightly in a different direction in terms of the yeah. actual role to what I've 
been working toward, um, but I think it adds a, a different string to my bow that when I eventually do go back into into management or coaching that I'll have. Mm. So, so tell me then, I think we would have spoken with Rory Higgins before, but it was actually probably during lockdown when he did a lot of his, lot of his work, <coughs> which was a strange one. As much as is possible, like what's your typical week now? Like tell me, oh, across the last week, I live on a train. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, like where, where, where have you been in the last week without you know yeah, giving so, too much away? Maybe right. So I mean, if you, I mean, to just run briefly through last week, I would have been a whole, whole uh, Rotherham last Tuesday. I would have been on Hull on Wednesday. Um, I'm trying to think. Then I would have been in. Uh, so many games, St. Mary and the Rangers on Sunday. Sunday. And then on Saturday, um, I was at West Brom and I can't think of who they were playing, but they won three nails in so many games. <laughs> yeah. So within a week, I'm probably at five games a week at the moment. Um, yeah. And as we get closer, like I'll be at Burnley, Newcastle, uh, excuse me, Burnley and Sports tonight. Uh, I'll more than likely as we get closer to camp, be at a game every day um, leading into camp. Wow, and when you're going to these games, are you also trying to speak to players or are you just observing or will you hang around after and try and have a chat if possible? Yeah, you would try and have a chat, but obviously that's result-dependent, performance-dependent yeah. as well. Sometimes you just got to read it and say, it's probably not the right time, even though you will. And, and obviously you have that relationship with the lads and kind of seeing, seeing where they are beforehand, a little text, see, you know, what they're playing and, and this, that and the other, and always would kind of hang around, but that would depend on the result. If someone gets done or doesn't play well, I'll just kind of leave it. And I'll, you know, and I'll say, look, we'll catch up and, uh, later in the week. Because yeah. I know as a player, the last thing you want after um, after a bad performance or a result is, is someone waiting outside the chat. You just want to get away, get out of there. So, um, but yeah, ideally we would, I would hang around and have a chat and see, just, just to catch up, nothing. You know, not dramatic. No, yeah, no, uh, no uh, reinventing the wheel in, in the chat after the game, but just the chat. Like, so you're looking around. Any other interesting characters, <laughs> like in the sort of directors' boxes or areas? Do you see sort of people from other scouts, various heads from other clubs? It's a little circuit. Yeah, probably have. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, it's become that. Like, I suppose because. I mean, certainly have to change my wardrobe. Um, oh, really? You yeah. have to get out with the tracksuits. Like, you know. um, but yeah, it's... He's in a three, people can't see this. He's in a three-piece suit here in studio. Yeah. People, people just need to imagine this. Like, well, hold on, just drop me top hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's kind of a circle, and I suppose it's it's um, from used to being in the dugout, it's it's moving kind of more to the director's box or kind of into those areas where, where you've got a lot of scouts or, uh, you know, chairmen and stuff and that. But it's a fantastic place to um, to, to get to know people as well from, uh, you know, people at different clubs and, 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 and chief scouts and stuff. And, uh, um, but yeah, some characters are right, yeah. It's any, it was uh, Barry Fry a couple of weeks ago. Had an interesting chat with Barry, Barry Fry. Fry. Go on, so, go on. Was, what, 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 what do you talk Barry to Barry Fry, Fry about? No, he was just, no, he was just chatting because I was at... Uh, um, Peterborough. So we obviously have we've mm. we've 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 got um, uh, we've got uh, the three lads there. Um, we've got um, Coventry. Taylor Coventry, Coventry and yeah. Sammy Sammy Smoddix, yeah, yeah, exactly. So is what Peterborough. And, yeah, Barry come in and just seventy six years young now. Yeah, yeah. So just uh, suited and built with um, and just just chatting, you know, and just got got a talk and like you know. So um, but yeah, an interesting character. I probably wouldn't be repeating what he what he. So trying to sell you anything, did he? Like you have this Peter Dieter example. I'm wearing the suit. And just <laughs> <laughs> the soldier watch or something. Yeah, that's interesting. Then how often then would you have to? Are you feeding reports back in then? Like hmm. do you and Stephen and the other staff? Do you have a weekly sort of get together? What way does that work then? Yeah. So. Um, after each game, we'll do an I'll do a, a tactical breakdown of the game, and then an individual report on the player. So, 
Um, I think it's difficult to report on a, on a. I can't report on Johnny playing in a game unless I give real context to the game mm, um, yeah. and how the game looks. So after each game, I'll do a report for for the manager and and, and for Keith and um, probably takes two and a half to three hours per player. So uh, I'll do that generally immediately after the game um, and get that over to the manager and Keith as quick as possible. Um, and then normally what will be then is then it'll be kind of a, we'll have a Zoom call maybe, you know, just yeah. to, to discuss if there's anything. But um, normally if there's, like, I mean, if there's three or four players in one game, you're, you're getting the reports over to the manager. And then obviously it's kind of the manager, we might have a discussion in more detail in terms of questions or, so, or something that he might want to ask about uh, particular players. But yeah, the, the reports would be, obviously they would be a, a key part of it in terms of what I would do. But obviously it's important that the tactical side of the game is broke down from each perspective yeah. so that the manager looks and can see, well, if you know somebody's playing up front and the and they're playing a really direct game and he doesn't get a lot of quality that might not be necessarily Johnny playing a poor game gotcha. up front. Yeah. Um so that so that's really important as well. Um so yeah, that would be the case and then obviously if there's more questions that would go immediately to the manager and Keith um and then usually it will be a, a call and that and and stuff and really you know to go into a bit more detail or just to just to chat about it in a bit more uh, uh discussion based stuff and when we're not then working on that so you might be working on a, a tactical analysis for example on, on 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 the next opposition and stuff as well mm. um while well, you're on a train somewhere or you're, you're yeah you're on somewhere like you know your train you know your train system of the train stations of the uk you're very very well at this stage pro. Yeah. tube i'm on i'm a pro on the tube now i've got oh. lost three or four times at the start but i'm, I'm okay so now yeah. one thing i'm glad i don't do is be on the tube very often <laughs> like kind of but um just the, 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 just the way it's been thrown together that management team with people kind of leaving higgins leaving other people leaving obviously it's mad like you're all there together now and you're you are this team that's kind of by hook or by crook here we are like and all young kind of guys as well in terms of the lads working with Stephen. yeah and i have to say the, the big thing i noticed particularly uh in in, in my first trip in hungary and door was was that like that kind of sense within the staff a really good staff you've obviously myself obviously the manager and keith anthony and Dean, mm. um, and then obviously all, all of the, the the other lads in terms of the medical staff and and the performance staff and uh, Damien Doyle and stuff. Really young guys, but there's a real good sense of kind of together in that. And I got that immediately from going in, and I suppose that's probably reflected then in the, in the playing squad as well. It's quite a relatively young squad, and um, yeah, it's 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 a really good uh, environment to work in. I have to say, mm. I've absolutely loved it, and that was obviously. When you're making your decision, you're saying, well, what am I going into? And the reference I had was dealing with the manager and then being in Andorra and hungry and, and, and how much how enjoyable that was. And the people you're dealing with every day determine generally if you, how you enjoy your job. Because remember yeah. you were telling me on the way in, you don't like your job because you're dealing with Dan. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I just try dealing with him, to be fair. <laughs> Slightly paraphrasing <laughs> there. But, I'm going to um, do a two-hour tactical report on Johnny's appearances after uh, after podcasting. It, it, it's funny wasn't though, like, here at the start to be one of the main ones. T t Tim Clancy like will always, like you don't hear Kev Doherty when Tim Clancy necessarily mentioned, but I've always thought that. You know, there's so much chat about Stephen all the time, like which I think a lot of it is bollocks, really. But there's so many other individuals there, like so. Andy Barry, somebody that's definitely fascinated me because he's just—I don't know—when you look at when you're in in Conflab, like he clearly does command a lot of respect and attention, and I, his reputation almost precedes him at this stage. We don't hear that much spoken about him, like so. What's he like to work with and stuff like that? Anthony, yeah, as I said, Anthony was the first time I would have met him was in Andorra, Hungary, but mm. I mean he's. He's, he's a great fella, first and foremost. Scouser, isn't he? Guy. Yeah, he's a yeah. scouser, yeah, yeah. Um, he was at Coventry too, of course, wasn't he? Was, he? yeah, yeah, like yeah. I mean, he would have left Coventry when 
he he uh, sorry he came in just after I'd left. Okay. Uh, six months or so That's later. That's mad, yeah. Yeah, so we, we just kind of missed each other. Um, but yeah, no, Anthony's been he's a, he's a great fella first and foremost. But obviously he's he's tactically very astute. Uh, his coaching, the way he puts his message across, very clear and concise, and the players respond to that. And mm. I suppose very similar to Keith, they, they they they're very similar in terms of the qualities that they possess as coaches and clarity when they deliver something in their messages. And um, you know, when you when you deliver something to pl- to a group of players, obviously you've got to speak with confidence and. Um, to 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 get that boy in, I think mm. certainly Anthony Keith and the manager when they speak, they speak with confidence because they believe in it, mm. um, and the knowledge then proceeds that in terms of whether it's a, a, a tactics tactical a tactics board or whether it's on video or whatever it is or an analysis of opposition, players know very quickly and and they boy in whether you know what you're talking about, mm. um, and and with Anthony with Keith and I think that's that's becoming evident that the players are seeing obviously the the lads there's a real knowledge there and um, they they probably like there are probably some things. That that maybe this coaching team has come up with that they're not necessarily familiar themselves with their club level. Like, so actually, that's a bit of a new idea there. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh, you know? well, again, you know, I can't speak for all the players, yeah. but I would imagine from watching nearly all of them at their clubs and in their different systems and in the different styles of play, that certainly, obviously, the way the manager and, 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 and ourselves want to play in the, and under the certain principles that we play, the tactical, I suppose, fluidity within the within that within the system because we've so little time as well to get yeah, that message yeah, across. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they've done it really well. Um, but yeah, there would be elements, and 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 when it went, and when that is the case, you'll see Keith or you'll see Anthony, uh, you know, going away with yourself, Johnny Roy. I'm not quite sure. Let's have ten minutes one to one and sitting down with video, you know, um, which is obviously a really important part for for certain players because again, the big thing is every, all players learn differently, mm. you know. So it might be a chat with someone, it might be visual, it might be a tactics board, um, but because we've so little time. Um, it would be difficult for some some lads to take on more than others because mm. some lads might play the system that we're playing or play within mm. a similar style. Some might be totally polar opposite. Mm. Um, but I think the big thing is now, uh, I think for, as a staff, we're starting to know what players might need or we know what players need to be spoke to separately or individually or don't or need to be left alone. That's just mad management. Like. Yeah, that's yeah. obviously, that. Uh, yeah. Stephen's obviously really, really, really good in that area and mm-hmm. that man and management and understanding and, and obviously Keith and Anthony and myself and that, whether it's a chat or whatever it may be, will be a part of that if I'm speaking to them about the direct individual opponents before a game. For example, which Ronaldo. We're part of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll obviously go through if it's if you're starting at right back, you'll look at you know whoever's playing right back, the individual and some of the key strengths and weaknesses. But then there's some lads that might not want to just you know some lads might I don't want to see much. I know them like the likes of Portugal as everyone knows everyone uh, yeah. as a whole. But in Azerbaijan or, or someone like that, it's obviously a lot more detailed where you might sit down with an iPad and have ten, five minutes of just key strengths and weaknesses and get an idea of mm. I, I always relate it back to a bit when we used to play in Europe in 2003, 2004 you didn't know anything really so like when we play like an Azerbaijan or, or someone who's maybe not as familiar to the players the likes of sitting down and knowing that Johnny likes to see this so I now know whether it be Johnny might like to see it on the afternoon of the game. I'm getting a lot of game time here. Yeah. Like yeah. Um, so I've just, seen Johnny play football. I mean, I don't know how you would respond <laughs> to some of that detail, Johnny. Johnny yeah. likes a good forward pass, to be fair to Johnny. Um, but, but it, it is interesting, though. Like, yeah, because you don't want to, I guess you don't want to 
like players aren't robots as well you can't no. just oh, take all this in there has to be a yeah. bit of enjoyment like. but, but do you then yeah. need to put together a like did you put together a package on say Ronaldo or Bruno Fernandes mm. you, you still do that but it's obviously what you're saying is players will have to possibly their own ideas or their own knowledge or in some cases would have played against them of course mm. so you have to treat that a bit differently than the unknown team yeah exactly and without being disrespectful or, 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 no, of course. or, or, or I suppose it's finding that balance without showing you know every Ronaldo goal as well we, we the big thing is you identify direct weaknesses and strengths in your direct opponent so and there is weakness and strengths in every player yeah. so it's again it's kind of you know uh, Gary Seary and uh, Jared Dunn on the analysis team obviously going through breaking down the individual and then you know having that there that like you know someone might say I don't want to see Anton I, I, mm. I, I have a good knowledge of him or uh, someone would say I, n- I need to see and, and we'll take 10 minutes and go through it but it's it's finding that balance but more importantly knowing what each individual player likes and wants some go, I don't want to see it. Some like to see it the night before the game. Some like to see it in the afternoon. Some like to see it now. Once I know the team, once I know the team is in, then we'll then I'll have a look because yeah. I don't want to. Sh- I don't want you to show me Johnny and Dana starting. You know the type of yeah, way. different mental, like different characters. Yeah. So ways. again, and and that's been good for me, particularly in the last game, because now you know who likes what, and you're getting to getting a feel for that. Yeah. Can I just say, look, there's so much chat about the manager's future with this mm. with this Ireland group. And I'm not, not trying to take you down an uncomfortable road. But I guess when you leave your job to, to go there, to get involved, you're thinking there's, there's, there's a long-term aspect to this, right? You know, you're, you're feeling that this is something that's going in the direction beyond this campaign. Absolutely. For me, yeah, absolutely. And, and I wouldn't, I said I had two years left at Crystal Palace when, when I left. So it wasn't something that I took lightly. But also, I truly believe from working with Stephen, having seen firsthand Andorra and Hungary, having worked with a lot of the players at younger ages myself, um, I truly believe in, what, in what's happening and what what Stephen and, and Keith and Andy were trying to do when I went in. Um, and all, so, I mean, that was a big part of why I left. Because so, some people did say, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're leaving, you know, for, uh, you're leaving a, a steady job in, in a Premier League club for something that potentially is is, is on edge because obviously yeah. all talk and, and, and different things. But, uh, from what I've seen in Andorra and Hungary, uh, it didn't, you know, it wasn't something I was going in, oh, geez, I'm not sure. It was like, no, this is a chance to work at senior level. And from what I've seen up close and personal from all the staff, from the players, and known a lot of, the, particularly the younger players really well, I actually genuinely believe in what we can do. Um, and some people might say, oh, well, you're mad. That, that's okay. But I was, I'm a firm believer. And to back up what you said, absolutely, I see it as a long-term thing. Yeah. I do. Was there a sense of like, I don't know what the word is. Was there a feeling of relief almost in October that you were beginning to have the results to reflect maybe the vibe that was existing behind the scenes? If you know what I mean? That like I, you know, you you I I'm around the camp or you know not mm. around the camp but like covering the team and you're speaking to people and you did hear summer. The summer was great and that was something that seemed to there was no player unrest stuff coming mm. back about you know the atmosphere and stuff and that stuff always gets out if there mm. is some. Make no mistake about mm. it. Um, but you felt like you still needed something like October just to get people maybe to believe externally. Like, was that a big window? Do you feel for for that group? Yeah, I think so. I think probably when you look at the particularly the Serbia game, and obviously the way it went, and even you know we we did we haven't haven't had a lot of luck, and probably the man well the manager hasn't had a lot of luck, and then you look at the nature of the Serbia goal in terms of you know the OG, yeah. and it just felt like the performance, particularly and how the Aviva felt in that last half an hour, kind of was nearly felt like right 
you know, there's something happening here and how we pushed for me, you know, probably the best team in the group, you know, and certainly are going to be, they're a very, very strong team um, to to a point where we had them on the back foot and we were pushing. It felt like, you know, the old, I suppose, the old way of Lansdowne Road when it used to be in the, in the in the the schoolboy section behind the goal, but probably in a different style in terms of what we were trying to do. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no question. Like, I mean, you gotta get results, and you know, <laughs> that's the game, isn't it? And and I think it was being able to align what we were doing, training performances, and and the feeling within the camp, and bringing that, and being able to get that result with it. And obviously, the last couple of games, we managed to do that, and. You know, with a performance that that with performances that matched what we what we were trying to do, because you could get you could get wins and probably not match what you're trying to do and go well we won and the yeah. priority is to win. But I felt the biggest thing, obviously, for the manager for everyone was that the wins not only important they're everything, but the nature of the performances reflected the principles and how we want to play, which which was a really really big thing. What, what are those principles? Because there's obviously a lot of debate around the style of t- of, mm. of the team. I'm not sure if, if sometimes the debate has been entirely accurate. There's the perception that, like, you know, Stephen wants to, wanted to do 800 passes a game or something. And I know he probably said some things that probably fed into that, to be fair. But I think what we've seen in recent months is, at times, a directness. There's a, you know, if you have, if you have someone like Ogbeni on the pitch, it gives you a different option than maybe different mm-hmm. players. Like, what would you describe as someone that's working in a setup? How would you describe the the principles and the style of the team? Well, I suppose without going into overly all the details, no, I get the that. most I get the that. most effective we want to play, the most uh, I suppose effective forward play we can play within any given phase of the game. We want to be exciting, run forward, play forward, and get people kind of off their seats. And um, and with that is an unpredictability. I mean, you know, having you know from from being a coach as well in terms of you know, principles are great and stuff and, and obviously this, you know, your methodology and how you want to play and stuff. But obviously it's 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 been able to put it across where it's not black and white. You know, we have to be unpredictable. And I think when you look at, as you mentioned, you know, someone like a Chio or Steven is a possession-based, we are possession-based. Yeah. That's what we want to be. We want to control the football and we want to move the opponent to unbalance, disorganise and penetrate them. They're, they're some of the key principles, but within that then we also don't want to become very predictable where we're easy to set up against and they know exactly what yeah. we're going to do can you play the most forward pass at any given time now if that forward pass misses three lines and goes into the, goes behind you know they high press in the spaces behind so a big thing within all that is can we find the space so you know it might sound very simple yeah. but you know if they drop off the spaces in front if, if we can stretch them it's between if they're high pressing if the space is behind we play the most forward pass we can and you know excite people with with how we play in that if we can play 100 passes great but if we can get there in one effective high quality pass why wouldn't we mm-hmm. um that, that, you know it's it's i mean the best teams in the world now you look at man city liverpool that it, it, the best decision is the most forward pass the the, the furthest forward pass they can make yeah. Um, and it's not a, a hoof ball, and you know, and some no, of course, of course, you know that. But that that's the balance, though. Um, that that is that balance of being able to adapt quickly and have that, I suppose, unpredictability about your play, but within it, knowing that there's a structure. 
yeah. you know so we're going direct but we're going direct with a real clarity if it's going direct to adam's feet that there's clarity about the roles of the, of the two tens around them if you know if if adam drops in and we're looking to penetrate behind and it's it's jamie or it's troy or whoever it may be that there's clarity in that and when we get there that we know why we're getting there and how we're getting there yeah um, so i suppose that if that would explain in a yeah, short yeah no it short, does i think that's a that's a that's a concise way of actually putting it i was going to try and bring it back to a small bit towards the league of ireland just, way, yeah, but did you want to go with just, something just very here? briefly something like I, i've noticed a lot is uh like our center backs getting chances in open play i love to see that like because mm. I, I presume that's one of the unpredictability things that even though this is part of the well if we three center backs one player can probably go forward and like duffy and egan had massive chances in games even against portugal and um, from open play which i think that's something that you don't normally see like yeah i mean well certainly i mean we're, we are a, i mean the two lads are a massive threat from sets obviously mm. as we all know but obviously there's a there's a again i suppose it brings back to that unpredictability and freedom going back to that possession-based game that the, the manager wants us to play and wants everyone to be comfortable with comfortable in possession but also if you're comfortable in possession in terms of your positional sense it might not always be where you're used to being on the pitch and, and the likes of those open, uh, the lads getting chances in open play, you mightn't always, like, you know, big duffs probably against Azerbaijan is slightly different because we're pushing and they're obviously dropped off and we're getting a lot of cross into the box. So that's probably slightly, mm. you know, uh, based on the context of where that game is. Um, but in, in other senses, yeah, it, it does because we do put a lot of responsibility. You think of Andrew's chance against Serbia late on, mm. you know, you've got your outside centre-back effectively becoming your... Your, your your midfielder and, and different rotations and movements that will ha have them in positions that they're probably not used to being in or yeah. not natural to or what we would perceive as not natural for a centre back, you know. And, and, and but I think I was going to say just, the, set, the set, yeah. Sorry, Johnny, I'll let you go back. Right. Uh, just because you mentioned that, like the the, the the Qatar game at home was striking that you have a throw in the second minute and Duffy's meandering for it. You could see in Azerbaijan over in Baku, you could see why it would make sense. But I thought in the Qatar game at home. This was that was more of a statement thing. It was quite a bold thing from the start. Mm. It's like here we mm. go in the first two or three minutes. Here's Duffy coming up from a, a routine throw, and as it happened, it was actually Robinson took the ball short and scored mm. from there. Mm. But that's the variety, I suppose, you're speaking about, is it? In terms yeah. of your options, yeah. But it, and I suppose it, it's that kind of it's that aggression, that front foot, that mm. you know we want to be the the aggressors in the game. We want to take the game to the opponent, and little things like that, obviously sets a tone not only for the fans it sets a tone for the players as well that you know we're not coming here to sit in to kind of hold on for 80 minutes and then hopefully and uh, get something like there, there's little elements like that that obviously the manager Keith Anthony we want to we want to instill and when you've got someone you know something like that can really unbalance can disorganize yeah. an opponent yeah as well. yeah, exactly. and, it's, and that's possibly more of an evolution from even September home to Azerbaijan maybe you didn't you found it harder to get to, to maintain that sort of pressure that you started the game quite well, but then it just mm. fell a bit flat after. People, yeah. people have spoken about, I think mm. Keith spoke about mm. it off the yeah. ball subsequently, yeah. Yeah. that 15 to 45 against Azerbaijan was poor, but hopefully maybe there's lessons learned from that that are, are carrying you forward. Yeah, well, I, th I think the performance in the second Azerbaijan game would, would be clear that we had a lot of meetings and a we went through that at home Azerbaijan game with a fine two come to find out the why. 
Um, and obviously we didn't control the carrier of the six or the two as he was. We didn't control him after 15 minutes in terms of how they were getting to those areas. Um, and we were able to address that over there and implement it within the game plan. Um, but definitely, look, I mean, it's 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 international football. And I, I think the home Azerbaijan game obviously coming so quick after Portugal. And then between, you know, uh, the hangover type thing. Like, well, yeah. I mean, look, that's not an excuse. We did, we, we started really well. Um, had we scored, I think early mm. against Azerbaijan, one of them games. But um, that fifteen to forty-five uh, keep was is spot on. It's something that we've spoke about for, for a, like really in detail. And obviously, we were able to then implement what we learned from the home game in the away game and, and which was which which helped us to to get out to to kind of get the result that we needed but definitely there's loads every time we play or every time an opposition plays we're learning and we're able to then discuss it and, and put it out and really and i think that's the big thing for the staff there's real clarity and we'll sit around for out and going through the mm. what ifs every possibility and and pull it apart and, and, and to what will help us win games you know I, and, I think as well, just just briefly from that, from the Ireland stuff, that like if you look at some of the players who are coming into the Ireland camp, not necessarily playing for their club. Um, you obviously mentioned Doherty, um, Hendrick, whatever. Like so, some of these players coming in, and then you look at Horahan and and Robinson and Duffy, whose form obviously at club level has improved. But these players are playing for Stephen Kenny, like they really are playing, and they look happy on the pitch, and they didn't always look happy on the pitch for Ireland. I think, and again, I think that's it's well. I know it's that's obviously down to the manager and 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 obviously the environment. Obviously, the, Stephen obviously being the man manager he is, but more importantly than the environment that players are working in, we all know you know if it's a whether it be your football player or whether you're working in an office, whether you're working a building, if the environment is good mm. and, and players are happy, they want to come and play. And, and I think that's reflected in how they not only play, but how they train as well. Um, as you said, even the lads who aren't playing, you know, maybe regularly at the club, they come in to an environment where, you know, it's, it's a really friendly environment. You know, people are happy and they're happy to be here, um, and they realise it's 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 an opportunity to play as well at, at really high level, and they may not be getting that game time at the club. Um, and players, obviously, when they're playing, are always happy as well. Mm. Like you know what I mean? Mm. If you if you weren't happy if you weren't playing as a mm. player, and I'm sure these lads are different. But even if you look at say the lads who aren't playing at the clubs or who are and then come in, maybe don't play regularly for us, there's still a fantastic feeling amongst the group, even after the Qatar game, there was a real sense of togetherness, because you can all, like, naturally enough, if 25, 26 players, like, everyone can play but there's a real sense of togetherness between even after the um the Azerbaijan game and the Qatar game and um and that's 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 something that's been been really really positive and obviously the lads not playing regularly coming into Ireland then and playing gives them a boost you look mm. at like say Nathan obviously played and then he went back in the last window and played in the in his first Premier League game and and after this window he's gone back on a you know and he's gone back and he's played now two games Nathan Collins it also Callum Robinson gives you know, can li- really give you know, back players... with a smile on their face. So. Exactly, yeah, and and I mean, I said, I think that's 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 well, I know it's down to the manager, mm. down to the environment that's been created. Yeah, I think so. It's worth going back to your your own coaching story because you you, you sort of mentioned there, you know, some of these Irish players quite well because you would have been involved with the DDSL Dublin District Schoolboys mm. League at what the the Kennedy Cup teams that'd mm. be under fourteen level, right? Yeah, yeah. So you would have worked with. Uh, Nathan Collins and Jason Knight and that sort of generation that sort of 2002 generation zero ones and zero zero quite closely which is like a really talented generation and to bring it back to a uh, League of Ireland sort of market quite a few current League of Ireland players would have been around I guess that that mix Dawson Devoy would have mm-hmm. been one of them mm-hmm. so you've obviously seen 
where Jason has gone and where Nathan has gone and it's mm. gone to a very high level. W where do you see the likes of Dawson now, you know, in, in their development? And, mm. and you have a good knowledge of under-23s football in England mm. versus League of Ireland football here and the various pathways for players. What's the challenge for the likes of Dawson and that now? I probably, I mean, I know Dawson well and Dawson was uh, went to Watford when he was 15, mm. 16 and then he obviously come back and... Um, Dawson was always probably physically underdeveloped. He was a late developer because we were in a squad called the Future Developers, which which involved basically all the little lads, the techies that weren't over a certain height and weight and stuff. And it was very technical based program that we done with the FAI. Under 16s, Dawson, Jack Moylan would have been another one within that. Um, uh, Donald Higgins. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah all way, man. Yeah, 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 Donald Higgins. So all all these these lads, uh, Evan Weir would have been around if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So there's, there's there's a lot of these younger lads that were kind of, I suppose, late future developers or late developers. I suppose to answer your question, the the challenge for Dawson now is he's he's probably he can certainly play twenty trees, or he, and that's probably the issue. He's he's probably beyond twenty trees level now. That you know the level he's playing at, he's he's obviously done really well and. Um, I mean, there's not just Dawson. There's there's plenty of lads doing really well. You've Johnny Kenny and you've mm. you've Killian Phillips and and all these different lads uh, at different clubs and Dara Bournes or Pats. All these young lads doing well. I suppose the thing is, do they want do you want to come out of first team football to go in and play twenty threes football? Yeah. And some of these lads, I don't know whether that would be a good thing now for them. So they'd probably need to go from first team to first team League of Ireland, and that's probably that bridge. Is the challenge? Is it? Is it? Is it a move to a UK club to a loan, or you know? Uh, at yeah, because you had Jacob Bryan, for example, you would have played a part in Jacob mm. Bryan going from yeah. Cork City to mm. Palace. But Jake probably hadn't had a huge amount of first team exposure here. Mm. But basically, what you're saying is, for the likes of someone like Dawson, having tasted uh, first team football, European football, it may not be the best move for them, or in their eyes, or even for their development, to just go back to playing in 23 stadiums in a different type of thing because I'm kind of curious what like mm. you see like Paul McShane has gone into Manchester mm. United now Gary Dicker Gary has gone Dicker, into yeah. Brighton and so many times we talk to players in this show and they'll say oh I was in England to play the 23s but didn't really matter you know points weren't at stake mm. you know like what is is that an accurate reflection of that environment or is there layers to it it's I think there's layers to it it's, it's challenging it definitely is challenging from because I know from going in last year with Sean Derry the big thing Sean coming from a from a managerial point of view Sean was with Cambridge and Notts County and, and I was coming from more of a developmental thing was like we need to create an environment that when they step across the road that they can cope because if we don't create a certain pressure in training and particularly in these games that when they go across the road and try with the force team or when they moved, they're not going to be able to cope or when they go on loan they, to a Torquay or whatever, they're not going to be able to cope with the with the pressure that's created. So, but then on the in the grand scheme of things, 23s doesn't really matter. So mm. we tried to create last year, we had an opportunity because it was we were in the force team cap one to be promoted. So, you know, and it was like a playoff system and, and stuff. So we kind of used that if you were top five. Leeds won it, they were excellent. Um, to get into the playoffs, we, that was kind of a thing that we used, but we tried to create a, an environment where it was about results. Yeah. It has to be, mm. because the game is about winning. You know, the game is, you know, particularly when you're moving, when you're 21, 22, you know, the, all the development and stuff is, is obviously really important, but at this age level now, you've got to learn how to go in, uh, perform and win, you know, because that's ultimately what it's about. So it's getting that, I think there's, there is layers to it, Dan, and different clubs look at it very differently. Some clubs just go out, they play, nine up front and, and they play out you know they'll be getting pressed constantly playing out the same way boom 
three nil down, four nil down, five, and they'll keep playing because that's within the. And then other teams will treat it differently and try to reflect more. Someone like Burnley, for example, yeah. try to reflect the first team, and they they make no, and they're really good at. It. They make no mistake in the twenty trees. They'll reflect exactly how the first team play. They be and they'll make and they're really. But that's good because it creates a different problem. The continuity as such. And, and, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there is layers to one. I wouldn't say that all 23's games or all 23's um, clubs, teams played it, you know, it, it's false. Some clubs treat it a lot more importantly than than other clubs in yeah. terms of the results and it, and it comes from within them. Because it's, it's, a, it's a change in landscape now and I think it's going to be very interesting to see. And I'm interested in your view on this because, you know, post-Brexit now, we generally had this situation where lads went over at 15, 16, as we know, mm-hmm. you did it, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of, of lads have done it. And now, you know, we're going to have this situation instead where you're going to have a bunch of lads getting to 18 who've never gone away, but you do hear soundings that maybe you're going to see some 23s clubs looking to recruit players at that level. It, it's a very broad question, but like, what's the best advice for an 18 year old then you know who comes to this scenario like is there a difference between the lads who are playing first team in the league of ireland or lads who are just that level below it or like what 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 do you like how do you think it's going to play out over the next four or five years do you still think we're going to have an exodus but it's going to be at 18 or do you think it's going to just be a bit different now going forward generally like what's the attitude in england towards Ireland say that you've experienced the attitude from from my direct experience is is from toward Ireland is, is step back a bit because we can't get them at the age that we need them to really have an impact in the development. That's my question. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and, and look, that's I'm only speaking. So it's it's always like, well, you know, this player. Well, how old, how old is he? Well, he's sixteen. Right. Well, we can't get him for two years. How that when that window of development is so big for a club to instill their, you know, their philosophy on them and and, and their Im- implement how they want to develop them to look like a you know Burnley player, or a Crystal Palace mm. player, whatever it may be. So that was what I've kind of seen. It's like, well, how do we how do we bridge that gap? And I, I don't see a massive exodus at eighteen. I don't think it's gonna be. At 18, then you know, queuing up for flights and everyone's going across. And right, I don't, okay. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it because, I mean, financially, you're going to see the, the kickback of of COVID. I still for the next 18, 24, 26 months within the lower leagues in England. You know, mm. um, I think you know, probably not even scratched it with League One, League Two, and certainly the Conference. So I don't see a massive exit of our as of our players. I think for young 18s, if you're playing here, obviously in the first team, it's, it's going to give you a huge chance to go direct to a force team but I think going across to is not going to be a straightforward I think for 18 years it's an interesting one then isn't it like because you'll see there's some people who'd be desperate to get away but yeah like like the 23's budget would obviously I presumably would be a different budget to like Mm. you can take lads over at 16 and they have to really scrap to get that pro that really proper first pro contract Mm. but I guess bringing lads over at 18 you have to give them a more professional contract. So is that part of the financial equation you're talking yeah, about there? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So if you're bringing someone at 18, you can only bring them on a scholarship or a YTS or, or what, whatever it used to be called. Um, now you're bringing them as a professional. So the, the financial investment now is for a year is a lot more than what it is for a scholarship scheme that's funded by the FA effectively and you're, it doesn't really cost a club a massive amount mm-hmm. or assisted by the FA. Um, so... You know, it's a big commitment for for uh, you know a Premier League club or even a Championship club to commit to someone from the League of Ireland for a year or two years or even three years, 
um, on on a big enough contract when they're not really proven at that level. Mm. Um, and and uh, I mean, it's a similar thing with the conference. If you look at the conference, the conference league, they, there is a lot of recruitment done in the conference between there and a, a lot of scouts will be at conference games and stuff. It's just where they would value our league in terms of how 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 you know Premier League or Championship would value the league here. What's well, the answer to that then? It's mixed. It's mixed, Dan. You know, I said, uh, Johnny, I've been banging the drum over there for for, the, for kind of fourteen months. You know, and 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 obviously, you know, Jake has now come in and, and done really well over in Palace, and that may obviously open up a, another avenue for for Palace uh, in terms of their recruitment and and looking at the league. But it's mixed. There's no. There's Which no. Is fair enough. I, yeah. And absolutely. And and if you go, I've, I've been to games at every level over there: Conference, Conference South, Conference North, League Two, and you know when you look at the facilities, even in the conference. You, you I know, was looking so, at the attendances in the conference lately. There were a couple of games with four or five thousand at it. Like, yeah, I, I, actually three or four games. I think I was like, "Geez, this is non-league in England." That's the standard you're at. Like, I'm, I'm, like I mean, you take a club like Bromley, you know, who who you know would be my kind of local club in terms of where they are. Their conference and I mean, the budget is huge. They've got you know a whole youth development program. They've got an under uh, under nineteen or twenties that are full time. They've then got an education system beneath that, all educated out of the ground. You know the, the facilities and the infrastructure and the money at conference level even now is 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 unbelievable. And you and I always wherever I go, I kind of say, how would this relate to home? How would this you know even like a welling in the conference south? You know the stadium is really mm. <laughs> it's decent. It's probably. You know, as good as a lot of what we have, like in terms of, with the exception of a Rovers and a, and a Cork, you know, probably on a smaller scale. Um, so I would say certainly mixed and probably not a lot of knowledge on exactly what the league can offer. Um, I think changing the perception of our league, our league is a younger league now. It's not what it used to be where lads, it is changing. And mm. I think the more Jake's gone, Jake O'Brien's gone at 18 or a Dawson or whatever it may be, will will only assist that perception of the league. But it's certainly at the moment, it's how they would view our league um, from over there would, would determine. Yeah, how it's perceived. I mean, and this is the question, it's the never-ending question that we're asking a lot of people when we talk about this topic. <coughs> like, you, you describe your work with the DDSL team there and, and little details you did with them. Um, but what's your make or what's your perception of the lie of the land in Ireland at the moment for the 14, 15 year old now who now won't be going at 16 unless they go to, to mainland Europe? Um, look, what's on offer for them here? And is there a concern that they're not going to, you mentioned they're not going to get that development that, that they would have got, you know, at their, their Premier League mm-hmm. club or Championship mm-hmm. club? Look, are you, would you be worried then that the next, the next crop of 14, 15 year olds, it's going to be harder for them? Uh, well, I mean, harder. Like, uh, I mean, I don't know whether they won't get it. It's, it's, it's very black and white to say, well, they definitely won't because this is unknown for us, and it's a different challenge for us as, as, as a nation in terms of our coaching, and because you're really going to see now, you know, there's no, we're really going to see, can we over the next couple yeah. of years? So there's, it's not going to be like, well, if he didn't go or if not. In in two it's to not three hypothetical years. anymore. No, it's this not going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be. Well, yes, we can, and no, we can't. Um, and that'll be reflected in the international groups, and it'll be reflected in in players moving to England, whether it be at seventeen or eighteen. How many go? You know, that might be reflective of what we've done in that period leading up to seventeen, eighteen. Um, but in terms of the structures in place now, I mean, look, Pats, Bowes, Rovers. There is a lot of really good stuff. Uh, going on Cork, I know, and uh, Billy Billy Denny, he's at, De- at Kerry yeah. doing some great stuff. Um, 
you know, and having worked in the 17s and 19s leagues, there is a lot of really good stuff. But the reality is it's it's all voluntary, you know, for our coaches. Like, and um, I was lucky when I worked at Rovers in 17s and 19s, I worked for the FAI as a DO. So my job was quite flexible where you could walk a lot around the coaching and, and everything you could evolve or, you know, could really focus on that. But I mean, it's, it, it is effectively a full-time gig. Like if you're a coach at, at Cove 17s or Cove 15s or Kerry or wherever it is, it's not just two hours a night on a Tuesday, Thursday anymore. It is a full-time role. And I think that obviously that that's going to be a, a factor for people working, you know, seven, eight hour days running and, and then the commitment of running a national league club. That That's a big thing, Dan, I think yeah. will, will is something that we, that might have to be addressed in, in the long term and that making sure that, that coaches have the ability and the time to, to commit to our younger players um over the next few years. Yeah. I know it's easy to say and you just throw money at something. I don't mean that, but there has to be ways. I mean, I know Rovers are doing a transition year programme at the moment. Yeah, and Pats different are doing teams. a bit of that as Pats well. With Adam Murphy, work. for yeah, example, yeah, at the absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so there's little ways and, 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 and areas we can look around. And, and as I said, I go to all these clubs and you even go in and look at training and even as our palace, you're always saying, look, we can't do that. Like when, even I spent time at Malmo and stuff and a couple of years back and saying at Spurs and you go and you see we can't do that because we don't have the money but there is ways when you look at things and go well we can't do that I can't we can't have this massive system but maybe we can stick something on paper that might reflect and might get the similar learnings for our young players or our coaches out of that so I think it's going in with that mindset when we go and look at these and the coach yeah, do a lot of visits and stuff that we go with a mindset and say well no we know we can't match a sports or Chelsea financially but what can we take out of it that we can implement here on a different scale practically yeah. practically mm. like I think it's having that mentality when we, yeah, when yeah. we go on there that's interesting it, it, like, we could talk about this forever but we probably should move back we, we did put out a shout for some questions but we probably left it a bit late in the day um, G Sung here asked not G Sung Park I don't believe me, but it would be great <laughs> if it was um, if he wants to come on and join us uh, any mad Sean Connor stories oh. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> how long have you got? Jeez, well, we've got well, you know, <laughs> we, we, we've got time here, and we have the we have the facility to edit any answers accordingly. But I mean, what what springs to mind with Sean Connor? <sighs> Pros, yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> to be careful. <laughs> uh, oh, there's so many. Um, probably. No, look, I, I won't, because I'll probably get in trouble. <laughs> I won't say that. I won't say that. Sacked by the art. Is, is yeah, that, is that yeah. the most telling answer of all? Yeah, just it, you say it best when you say nothing at all. Exactly, Ronan Keaton. Some, uh, someone else here asking, is there any chance of you being in a League of Ireland dugout next season? That's 2022, I assume. But not not from not from my plans in terms of my immediate plans. Sorry, John. Um, my immediate plans to obviously for us to... To obviously end this campaign well and yeah. then qualify for 2024 and that's that's um my it was all my focus on uh, over the next kind of year and a half or you know the next certainly the next two games and then obviously yeah see where we go from there but look there's no shadow of a doubt you know i, I will manage you know at, at some point whether that's you want to manage that's very much your focus from what you've said yeah there, yeah. yeah head coach uh manage yeah definitely that it is something that i will do um, but obviously it's 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 not for right now because I've taken on this role and it's something that I think will will uh, will really help me when that does come and about this When way. Rory Higgins left the Ireland setup, I remember it was kind of myself and Dan were trying to figure out what's going on here at the time and there was an element of surprise like that you'd leave the Ireland setup to take over at Derry City. 
And I was I was sort of reflecting on my own take in the League of Ireland. I was like, would you leave like a job working with Stephen Kenny and the Irish team to manage Derry City? But that's how important Derry City is to Rory Higgins. And like I think sometimes we underestimate that, like that he's he's doing a great job or whatever now, but he wants to manage and the opportunity came up. And Stephen Kenny's comments afterwards were like he was always gonna leave if the Derry job came up, more or less, mm. I'm paraphrasing, but um and then you came into that role. So it's kind of a merry go round, but it's like, yeah, he he was in the Ireland setup, coming from a League of Ireland background. But he valued that Derry City job that much, like, and we were talking about Damien Duff being you know, potentially me- mentioned. You never know in football. Job. I think that's the lesson, isn't yeah. it? You can plan yeah. ahead, but something happens. Like tomorrow. Damien Duff possibly going for the Shells job. Mm. That's kind of like I was having a bit of banter before mm. he came on, but it's like also for Damien Duff, like this job wouldn't want to go badly either if he did take it, like you know, because if Damien Duff, one of Ireland's best ever players, takes the Shells job and it doesn't go that well, and we spoke to like Ian Ryan as well. If your first job goes badly and like your own in management, whenever that comes around. It's not great because then, like, when we're talking about Stephen Sonnen of Walsall. Stephen Sonnen, nobody talks about him as a manager now. His early jobs mm-hmm. went badly. Mm-hmm. So it's a, he wasn't a manager of Walsall, to be clear. He was a coach. He was a co- I didn't coach you, but he it's like. Darlington after. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, a, it's a big move, like that first job as well. Yeah, it is. And in fairness, look, I mean, it's, it's, that's part of, that's part of, of football and, and certainly in terms of coaching management. Uh, you, you accept that going in and we we done a, we, we were on the pro licence um, and we're on it with Duffer actually and, and that but there was a stat that put up that I think if, if, if the first job doesn't go well I think 97 90 I'm not sure the exact 90 it might be 92 97% percent, yeah. never get back into the game that's you, insane yeah so like I mean that just shows and, and probably even more so now than ever before because there's so much emphasis on coach education now and there's so many coaches as such coming through and young, younger people are starting coaching probably a lot more than what they did 20, 30, 40 years ago. And I mean, you look at, say for example, in England now, and if it's League One or League Two, jobs come up, you know, it's there's so many high profile people mm-hmm. um in for these jobs and and you know it's it's there's so many people out of work um, and it's the same here there's so many high quality people in Ireland now mm. out working Paul Doolan last week obviously out of work well now he's he's back in that long but was but it, it had been for five years. Yeah exactly yeah. so I mean that's shows that uh, you know the the way coaching is look is perceived now and people are starting a lot younger and they see a, a viable career in it. That I think that adds to that that statistic of ninety two percent. If the yeah. first job doesn't go well, you're gone, and you know, or you, you you're very difficult to get back in. Definitely, that. Yeah. I th- but I think you have to accept that in the in the in going into it. Like, um, Shamrock Rovers will will win the league if they beat Finn Harps mm. at home on Friday night. Um, it should be a great occasion. And Tala, you've mentioned there, you were. You, pretty much synonymous with Rovers. Any Mick O'Neill stories, actually. Well, well yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, actually, we, we saw... Well, but, yeah, okay. Surely, surely we, you can give us a we, Mick O'Neill story. What, what, yeah, well, it is 10 years since the, the group stage run because your anniversary goal, mm. your anniversary goal of why Art Lane has just passed. I mean, yeah, what, what springs to mind when you think of that time? Is there any, any moment of that run that comes to your head? I think, um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the biggest thing was was the night in Belgrade. You know, that that, that was something that always jumped. People obviously naturally directly talked to me about the Spurs game and, and the goal and stuff. But for me, the night in Belgrade and, and um, uh, Sully, Sully's volley, like, you know, that was a real, when Scully, Sully scored, um, there was a real, because we, we were getting battered. Like, we, were getting, <laughs> we were getting battered at that stage. And you're like, how are we still in this? And then Sully scored that worldly. It was like... The momentum uh, changed. Mo- I was in the stadium. It changed, it changed the whole atmosphere. Yeah, because you'd seen the first half, Dan, how we were, Ryan Thompson was pulling up all these, like, they were missing chances. You're thinking, how is this game not over? And then Sully does something that, 
you know, you've never, I don't think there's been a better goal than that in the league, you know, or, or scored in Europe from a league perspective. And he does that and you think everything changed. They, their body language, everything is. And that moment, always something that stood with me that felt like we got, we just grew, you know, 10, as you do when you score, the shoulders went back, we were on the front foot, the crowd started to turn on them. Um, and it just became, that moment is the one moment, I think, in it. Uh, that that always stands out to me, like you know. Yeah, actually, um, I, 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 I paraphrase it. Sorry, what 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 values would would you get from Mick O'Neill and put into management yourself? Because he's done, he's done a great, he's had a great career. Like a big a big thing I would have took from Michael from from that is is he he's, he's in the his man management and how he how he would speak. He, he, Michael was very good. He's very he's quite funny. You know, he's a good sense of humour, and 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 when he speaks to the changing room, whether it be addressing the players or addressing the individuals, a good good way about him when he speaks, and and, and he always finds a, a you know a funny way to make the mood a bit lighter. Mm. And uh, I mean, we were playing Real Madrid actually. To give you an example: we were playing Madrid in a friendly in in Tala, and we were doing the markers, and um, and he was kind of putting up the markers, and it was like Ronaldo and Raúl, and you know. It might have been Salgado and, mm. and he's like Flinny you take him uh, Royce you take you take Ronaldo um, and he went oh, f- he says oh, fuck this lad just, just fucking do what you can he says <laughs> <laughs> you know he's going to look do what you fucking can like, you know that kind of you know and that just broke everyone in the mood. yeah it was it was brilliant like, and he was just kind of sort of little things like that but and then tactically um, you know he, he was very astute probably you know really really astute in, in terms of terms of in-game changes and, and being able to adapt quickly at halftime is what I really recognise with Michael. Right. Um, yeah. interesting. It's interesting. So where do you see Rovers as a club now? Because they are going to win this league eventually. Mm, yeah. They'll probably win it on Friday, but if not, it'll be it'll be next week. Um, and look, it feels to me like they're, they're winning the league as two in a row, yet they're probably not going to get a huge amount of like adulation. Like they're not, mm. People aren't shouting from the rooftops that this is one of the great sides and... Mm. Like, which is, it possibly just goes to show, from my opinion, that like, because teams have reached group stage football now in recent years, that it's almost set the bar so high that if a club doesn't do something like that in Europe, they don't get the love. But wh- where do you see Rovers at now, and where can they go in the next couple of years? I think as a as a forty, I mean, as a club, they're in a really strong place from 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 top to bottom. They've got the structures at Roadstone, and they've got obviously uh, from from the team perspective that Brad's has put together and, and Glenn and, and Steve McPhail and stuff is there I mean they're, they're in a strong place Dan because if you look at the likes you look throughout the squad in terms of you know you've Richie and you've you you know you've Rory up front and you, you know and then at the back you've Pico and and you've got Lee Grace and stuff you, there's a real strength there at, at, a, at a good age that I still think for the next kind of couple of years they're going to take a lot of challenging <clears throat> and I don't see I mean I know Derry now are obviously having a bit of a go at it, like, you know, uh, in terms of next year. I, I don't know what's happening at Dundalk. I, I think Rovers in a strong place, for the, certainly for the next kind of 12, 12 months to 18 months to to still continue to, to dominate the league. Um, and, and going back to your point, I think that will, obviously the Europe thing is, is, is a big thing and it will be now because of probably what we've done in, in the between back-to-back titles and then or obviously what Dundalk have done um, in their kind of era where they dominated so, um, but I think it's it's you can't undo like league titles are so hard to win, and I, I think it's 
it's it's unfair not to give that credit. It's no matter what it is, a league title is a, is a lot harder than cups to win, and a lot harder than uh, you know um, because you got to do it every week. And I think they deserve that credit for for doing back to back titles. It's not easy, um, and they will do it as you said. But I think as a, as a the club as a whole are in a really good place, um, and I've no doubt they'll recruit now at the end of this year. I'm sure, um, and kind of and strengthen again, which I don't see. You know, don't see Dundalk. Pats are obviously have had a go this year and will be stronger next year. Stevie's done a good job there. Um, I think Pats, Derry, you know, um, Bowes and Derry, thereabouts. But I still don't see mm. for the next 12 months, we, I, don't, I don't see. We, we will have to let you go to the airport as well. But um, Mick McCarthy obviously left the Cardiff job the other day. I don't think there's any South of Ireland manager or Republic of Ireland manager in the four leagues in England now, to the best of my knowledge. There's none. Um, I, I, I could stand corrected but just like and Dan takes the piss out of me about the young managers in this league but if they there all, have, amb- if they all have ambitions it's kind of like well where does Stephen Bradley go next for example if he did leave Shamrock Rovers where do these like and they're all more or less doing good jobs a lot of the young managers here but there isn't necessarily a pathway that oh yeah they'll get a job in Britain now so like where did they fit in then in terms of their own ambitions like because you're in the Ireland setup, but that's not going to be available to everyone mm, no absolutely yeah and look and again it's it's another it's 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 another difficult one for our younger coaches and which is it's it's a big reason why why I went across to England even though that worked at 23's football because I wasn't directly obviously in a force team but I felt that you know I got to a point where I'd done all the age was at 19 the option for me was to take a force team role here or to go to the UK and, and work in a, and I want I wanted to be in the UK Why? more because I felt the infrastructure um there would be would help with the facilities you could work in um financially uh, you know mm. makes it easier to commit and and you're full time you can commit your life to mm. to coaching football. to mm. football mm. whereas even you know you, you probably still can't do that here you see you've really top managers doing great jobs in League of Ireland still working a day job. It's difficult, you know, it's really, really difficult. So that that was the reason why I went. Um and I suppose you talk about Brad's or you talk about the other lads like like Tim and stuff. That, I think that's their individual uh, based on their own circumstances as well and, and mm. their own I mean, I've no doubt that these lads could go and work in, in, in the UK, but going back to what I said earlier. It's so difficult because the amount of uh, managers, high profile people over there out of work. I mean, I think Brad's was linked with the MK. Yeah, it dawns a while back. Yeah, you know, I mean, so, but I mean, if you looked at the list, like, of that, like, I think, you know, Frank Lampard was around it and like the the list over there are endless and I think that makes it more difficult. The flip side is you have someone like Mark Bertram coming here who, who, like, I mean, I don't think I'm being unfair to Mark Bertram, but presumably wasn't getting a sniff in the UK Mm. and and yet has Mm. come to Ireland and actually used it to... I mean, he's probably boosting his own profile as I was on Talk mm. Sport yesterday, you yeah, know. Yeah, and absolutely. You, know, you see Paul Cook and various people have gone that route. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's a competitive gig. But you from, know? from your perspective, like these, and I know I do go on about it, but like this can only make the League of Ireland stronger because mm. I, I think the, 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 those managers, like they're, they're basically football obsessives, like, um, but they, they, they often, a lot of them, you look at them, they played with a lot of game intelligence mm. themselves. They're now transplanting that into their coaching. Um, 
And and I, from your perspective, like, what do you make of the, the the standard here in terms of those managers that are coming through? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's. I think we've got a really good standard of young mm. manager coming through, and obviously, you look at it, like the coach ed system has has played a big part in that, and the PFEO, you getting lads starting coaching badges younger and getting mm. interested in them all plays a massive part. Um, and you just have to look at the profile now of the manager in the league, mm. and I think clubs now are a lot more open. I think the old day of now well, he's no experience or you know he hasn't got four hundred you know one league titles. I think that's now the perception that is changing mm-hmm. um, but certainly the level of what the lads are doing I think could certainly more than cope in, in the UK How the, do you mean by that in the level because like uh, the average fan doesn't see that and I include mm. myself in that you don't see like when you're on about the level of the coaching in a game and you mentioned Mick O'Neill seeing well this needs to be changed here what's the level like what, what, what sets that apart then that you can see that like well, the level that you're playing at will obviously set mm. it apart because obviously there may not be tactical changes to make in a in a in a in a conference north game where mm. the pitch is more than it just shelling on top of each other. So it's all it's all relative to the level that they're playing at. Whereas if it's a championship on a on a decent pitch and there's there's tactical things to be solved. So obviously what I think what the League of Ireland now is doing is when you watch League of Ireland games, there is a lot of tactical stuff involved and you can see changes within systems and and because the pitches are a lot better now. And that's where I think when I when I watch probably probably League Two, particularly and even Conference, it's not as tactical maybe even now at times as the League mm. of Ireland because there's that ability to be tactical Better because pitches as well. because the pitches mm. summer season and our players are now good able, players like, yeah yeah well this is players. the thing and our players are able to take the ball and and, and play out from the back and, and do different things whereas if you look even the Conference is a good level by the way and that's not all teams I'm just saying certain games that it may not be able to be as tactical, mm. you know. Um, so that would be, a, that would be, it, it's difficult to define the level, as you said, yeah. Johnny, but that would be, a, that would be a, certainly a part the, of it. Fix, yeah, fixtures this, the weekend. Yeah, and, this weekend's fixtures, we've got Longford Town, St. Pat's on Friday, Dundalk, Waterford on Friday. It's a huge game. And they all are to some degree. Sligo Rovers, Andrada as well in the battle for Europe now, you'd have to say. Um, Derry against Bowes, the same. And then Shamrock Rovers, Finn Harps, Rovers to win the league, Harps to avoid that playoff the Monday games we should say as well Pats against Bowes again the cup final rehearsal but a lot at stake Sligo Rovers Longford Sligo Rovers can't win that game I mean they have a big double header this weekend the home actually where yeah if it's going to make or break them I think Waterford against Derry also on Monday another big match and Finn Harps against Drawda then we have the first division finale this week Galway United media officer you, you should know the fixtures for that Wexford yeah. Bray Cavantili Treaty Shelburne UCD Cork Galway, um, Atlone Atlone Cove. Cove. a lot of shadow boxing going the on shadow there because the playoffs are. But um, just before we let you go, Stephen, like we've seen Jamie McGrath, we've seen Chio uh, Doziog Bene, um, and I could name countless others. I know maybe if you're watching league games now, like I'm sure you're still looking for you know players. I mean, you've seen Danny Mandrew in in the summer, but do you see future internationals in the league at the moment? Would you be confident that there's players playing in the league now? that will play senior international football in the coming years? Yeah, I, I would from watching the league and as we just spoke about there with Johnny, the, the way the league has, has evolved, <clears throat> the style of play and our, and our results in Europe all suggest that absolutely and the profile league now, a lot younger younger players who are technically able to cope and again, it's, it's related back to obviously the manager and, and the type of player that the manager wants to play or what does an Irish player now look like? What 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 does a Republic of Ireland player look like now to probably what he looked like 20 years ago? And obviously I think the way the league has developed, 
is going to develop a lot more players that look like what we now want to look mm. like a Republic of Ireland player. And um, so definitely want to, because I do watch a lot, I do watch LOI TV when, when abroad. It's it's been hard in the last few months because traveling a bit and stuff. But um, definitely see a lot a lot of talent in the league, and I think um, it's it's it is an exciting time. Uh, over the next kind of year or two uh, for the league, but I think um, it's uh, I still would like to see on going down this road the the kind of you know the the Limfields and 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 that joint up league. Oh, I be, yeah, yeah, I think it would be. Yeah, boy, that's a whole other day's we'll work. Just who excites you in the league? If I said to you, you can go and watch <laughs> such and such a player, like you know, you can go and watch any player. Who who would you like to watch? I mean, look, I've mentioned a few of them earlier. Like, I mean, you've you've obviously um, Dara at Pats is, is doing well. Dara Bournes, yeah. Dara Bournes, yeah, Dara Bournes at Pats. You've Dawson, um, Jack Jack Moylan's doing really well at Wexford. Uh, I mean, there's, I mean, I know I'm just naming players, but there is a lot of really good players. And 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 again, it goes back to reflecting on the coaching that's happening, the way clubs are working, our our, our development system that we are bringing through players who are technically really astute, uh, a banquet, a Pats, the, the centre-back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's so much good. Um, you avoid them all rovers. I mean, I mean, they, they, these are, when you when you think about these players, they're all players that make you go, you know, they're, they're exciting players, which is the type of player that sh- we want to you look want. like a Republic of Ireland player in the future. So definitely, I mean, all these players ex- are exciting to watch and, and, and they just look so comfortable. But I mean, certainly when you look at someone like, I mean, I was at... Bowles and Drotter recent well not recently in, in the summer and uh, I think Bowles won five 0 and Dawson was done yeah. really well that night he was excellent that night um so yeah so I mean you know how good he can be right? yeah exactly yeah I mean I, I obviously walked with Dawson but look I mean there's so many young good young players in the league and it's it's exciting I think it's an exciting time and um but definitely uh it's 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 going to be interesting and looking forward to the cup final now yeah well hopefully yeah, hopefully you're one of Should 40 listen? thousand plus yeah. there yeah so we'll yeah. see listen yeah. we'll let you go we'll let you go and travel and get get yourself off to burnley and reacquaint yourself with the railways of the <laughs> of the uk and uh yeah hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon no problem lads thanks for having us and we'll catch up with you all next week